podcast. My special guest today, I am so excited. Like you have been on my list of people to get on my show for quite some time, Dr. Jody Carrington. So thank you so much for taking time to hang out with us today. Jody, I'm so excited you asked me. This is like the best part of my whole day. And I just felt like in this COVID conversation series that I'm doing, two crazy blonde Alberta Jodies is just really what the world needs. It's like, you're welcome, Corona. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like the gift that Corona has brought us. Really? Yeah. We finally, like, it's my dream for us to go on the road together someday. So we'll just sort of plant that seed that I'm going to go on the road with you at some point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds good. Maybe and we're going to just the, test, we're going to test run it here. Yeah. The after Corona, it's kind of like the after party. And then we'll go right. on tour is the Jody squared after party. I don't know. Love it. Just done. Get it there. Um, I have loved also just how, I don't know, we'll get you to give your background here for a moment. But one of the things that I really love about you is that you're really real in your conversation and you just call things like it is and you say it like it is. And I've, I'm not going to lie, I've kind of giggled with your live videos on Facebook the last little bit that you have a disclaimer now across the top that you use colorful language. Um, that made me giggle pretty hard. So here's your disclaimer for the podcast. We will probably use colorful language. It's a mm -hmm. gift. And, I love and in a time of a crisis, if you are not using colorful language, there's something fucking wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, you are not letting go. So tell Try us if, it. Yeah, if someone hasn't had the opportunity to meet Dr. Jody Carrington, what's, what's a little bit about you? What's your background? Well, um, I'm a psychologist. And uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a child psychologist by training, and that's where I've worked for the last uh, little bit. I'm not a huge fan of kids, I often say, but I am a big fan of the people who hold them. And a lot of the people, or a, a lot of the things that I talk about all the time is relationship and connection. I have a massive uh, interest uh, around trauma, uh, and I work with a lot of first responders, a lot of teachers, and and and. I, I used to work at the Alberta Children's Hospital for 10 years, actually, in a locked psychiatric inpatient unit for kids. And after we had our own children, I started a small private practice uh, in a little town where my husband grew up called Old. And um, we, uh, I just started consulting on some of the tough kids, you know, in some school divisions. And it's really morphed over the last three years, four years, almost five years now, into uh, I started speaking about it in different school divisions. And then I started speaking on different stages around North America. And uh, then I wrote a book. And um, really at the time when um, the Corona, yeah, it's kids these days. It is so, it's such a good fucking book. I, I hang on to it every day. Because if you saw me with my own children, you would not buy the book. So basically what I said in the book is everything you should do. And then what I do in my own life is I got to read it on a daily basis just to remember how you're supposed to show up for your own children. Um, but I, um, yeah, so when Corona, when the Corona hit, I, um, we were doing a lot. We were on the road, probably doing three or four different shows a day, um, expanding into the U S which has been so fun. And the book has really taken off. And then this sort of came to a screaming halt, which has been fantastic for our team just to breathe and, you know, sort of get our priorities in check and, and identify how we're still going to, you know, talk this, this message of relationship and connection in a different way. Well, and I think that's the. I feel like it's the saving grace for us is to find what those positive pieces are in this craziness. Because if you don't find what you can hold on to or something that you can be like, oh, okay, you know what? I did need to slow down for this or that is, is when you really start to spiral. 
Well, I think, and, and I think there's two things to that that I think are really important. I think you do got a spiral period. Like, I think that's like holding space for this craziness is to really like acknowledge the fact that like, this is, this is ridiculous and it's unprecedented. And I've, and I've also said that word, it's unprecedented how many times I've said unprecedented in the last two weeks. Um, <laughs> But it, it, it is absolutely ridiculous. And there, I go through the, the run of most days, like just being like, no, oh, this is not a big deal. In fact, what a gift, what a gift this is to then in the next breath being like, holy fuck, like, how are we ever going to come out of this? And how am I not, how am I going to stay married? I don't even like my children. People are dying. People are losing. Like, this is like I said to my husband yesterday, like when I wake up some mornings, I'm like, did we just watch this movie? Or are we living it? And then there's other moments where I'm like, okay. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday, David Kessler, um, speaking about sort of the sixth stage of grief, which is really finding meaning in, you know, tragedy, trauma, loss, which is, you know, we're all in the middle of a big grief situation right now. And I think, um, I think there will be a time for all of this to make sense. I'm not sure that we're there yet. I think that it still is, you know, we really got to be in this place of this is, there is a lot. We are managing a lot, every single one of us, you know, in, in every different aspect of whether, you know, we're trying to figure out how to navigate this with our children and schooling or keep our family safe or still go to work or not go to work or, you know, all of those things. How do we navigate this is, is massive, right? It's a humongous shift. And how do we hold space for that? And uh, there will be a time where we figure out the meaning. And if you can find glimpses of that, that's great. But um, in this moment, I think it's okay just to be like, wow, wow. What the wow. heck? Yeah. What the hell? And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this before we even started. And I think there's, it's about really holding space for, you know, it, this is going to mean something for everybody. This is going to mean something different for everybody. And, um, you know, one of the things we talked a lot about the last couple of weeks is that, um, you know, perspective is a function of experience. And for some people, it will be an absolute travesty that they don't get to see their friends it'll be an absolute heartbreaking end of life uh, experience because they didn't get to play in the triple C provincials. Right. And oops, sorry, I'm still there. Um, it'll be an absolute sort of end of the world uh, when these sort of things start happening. And then to other people who are, you know, a first responder who has to step into an ER uh, again and put their family at risk. Um, it doesn't seem like the kid who's crying over the fact that they lost their iPad charger, they don't get to see their best friend doesn't quite compare, but the issue is we've got to hold space for every single one of them. And it is a disaster that I don't get my eyelashes filled. It is a disaster for me in a particular moment. We're just talking about this. I am going to die with magnetic lashes. Now I appreciate completely that I am not going into an ER tomorrow and I don't have to, you know, figure out how to work on that. And so what we try to do or what we end up doing is like, then your feelings can't be felt because there's other people who have it worse than you. We get into this comparison game really quickly, uh, which is so true. There's so much to do true truth to that. But comparison is the thief of all joy and how we are going to get through this um, space on the other side of it is to be able to hold all of it. How disappointing it is we don't get our eyelashes done and how fucking scary it is that, you know, my next door neighbor has to expose himself every single day to this potentially deadly issue and his family, you know? So it's that gamut and nothing, you know, nothing is worse or better or not justified in a situation like this. It all matters. Absolutely. And I love when you say comparison is the thief of all things, because I was even chatting with some people over the last couple of weeks, what I've termed something called blessings guilt, right? This woman was feeling so upset that 
she still had her job and she was being paid from home and things were doing okay and and other people's didn't and she was like i just don't know how to be and yeah. i was like just be like we need people who are in good places to help people who aren't in good places if we were all in the worst place ever who who's there to help us yes i love that and what i also really love about this process is just even that capacity to hold space for that guilt right? Like, tell me more about that. You know, why, why do you feel bad about that? And what is, what does it feel like to feel that in this situation, right? What do you do with that? And, you know, Dan Seagull has this term, many people talk about it, but it's like, you've got to name it to tame it. And when we try to fix it, cause we really like, you don't have to be guilty. It's totally fine. No, 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 no. Like you deserve it. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Right. Like what, why is that there? Why is that showing up right now? What is that about? And I think, I think it's so much about just holding space for all of those things. Cause I mean, who, who knew we would be guilt, we'd feel guilty about having our job that, you know, two months ago, maybe we were like, if I could not go to work, I would be thankful. And now we're like, but we're so damn lucky. Oh, why are we sad? At least we have a job. Yeah. You, know, you, can, you can be, you can be fucking mad. You yeah. can, it's okay. How do we hold space for that? I guess is the point. Hey? Yeah. Well, and it's like my kid said, I think even only after one week, he was like, all I ever wanted was to stay home from school, mom. And now, ah, this is boring, mom. I'm yeah, like, I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I like, I would, yeah, there's so much in this. It's amazing. Like, and I was telling somebody the other day, like, I don't think in three years I've ever unpacked a suitcase fully. Like, I, I don't ever remember. Like, it's like, you know, we come home and, oh, my goodness, thank goodness, we get to sink into the babies or do our things for three or four days. And then, like, okay, here's the next trip. And then I'm just going to remove some of these things and move this over and take this outfit again. And away we go. And, like, it was really last week that, like, the first time all the suitcases went downstairs to where they stay, where they live, uh, in our basement. And, like, I haven't brought them up in two weeks. Like, that's, that is unprecedented in my house. And, um, I, like, I love it. I loved it initially a lot because I was like, Oh my God, this is fantastic that I get to be here every night with the babies and put them to bed and do all those things, the things that I was missing so much. Um, but it really just makes me realize in some moments how much I love it. And then how much I was like, you know what, it, that I, I miss it. I miss it so much. I miss so much about that and that my kids are, are amazing because of it, not in spite of it, you know? Absolutely. When I liked in, uh, one of your messages that you've sent out in the last few weeks too is that whatever you're doing or not doing is okay because i i still i mean you probably hear it a thousand times a day i hear it too is people well there's too much screen time for my kids or i didn't do this or it's so like release the pressure Oh my gosh. You know what? I mean, and I think what we forget about sometimes is that like we are in a crisis. We are in a time where our bodies do not know this routine that does not know this story. It does not know how we, I mean, this whole idea of, you know, like every day I was like, of course we're having Bailey's in our coffee. Like, what do you, what do you mean? We don't do that. Like that, that, what, excuse me. And we're going on three weeks now where I'm like, okay, let's maybe take it down a notch. <laughs> you know, I think, I think we're in this for the long haul. And I think, I think so much of that is really about just this idea of how do we make sense of this? How do we sort of step into this process a little bit and be like, okay, what is this new normal? What does that look like? Yeah. And staying, you know, your, your messaging is always trying to stay regulated through the process. And I laughed at one of your other suggestions was to make up imaginary coworkers, especially if you're working from home 
say with your spouse or your significant other and how, how has that worked in your household? Oh my God. Well, I mean, I saw this meme somewhere where like you should name somebody, you know, like Bob or like whatever we have Pam in our, in our house here, uh, in our office here, like Pam is leaving the dishes everywhere. She's being such a bitch. She shows up late at meetings. And then there's Randy who is like the sexist piece of shit who like never, you know, really hangs on to the things I say. He thinks I shouldn't be talking about money. And like, we have these <laughs> And I think like, here's the issue in this whole process is that if you let it, it's going to overwhelm you and kick you in the ass and it's going to happen anyway. But joy is a choice and joy. People hate when I say this, but I sometimes, but I, but I really truly feel that we got to seek and find the stuff that's going to go okay in this process because it gets really overwhelming if we don't. And I noticed that a lot, you know, like if I've spent three or four, I mean, and I'm, I'm so interested to see the numbers and the models and the projections and, you know, what's happening with Boris and, you know, what, what's going on in the world with, you know, different people and how different countries and leaders are handling the situation. Um, but I, I noticed a real big difference on the nights where, you know, we just play cards and, you know, watch something together as a family or do something versus the nights where, you know, everybody's on their respective iPads and, you know, I'm watching CNN. Um, it just changes your cortisol is up so much higher and you're so much less prepared for anything that comes your way, right? Somebody has a meltdown before bed or somebody, you know, wants Cheerios and they were supposed to brush their teeth 20 minutes ago. Right. When I, when I had the CNN in my head, I'm like, no, <laughs> it's like an instant snap show. Whereas when I have less of that cortisol, when I'm a bit more regulated, I can handle that. Okay. Listen, two more minutes. you got to eat Cheerios in two minutes and let's roll. Yeah. So it's just that, how, what are we consuming? Who are we surrounding ourselves with? I think it's really going to dictate how we show up. And so for people who I think, I think lots of times we forget that most of the tools we require to do any of this, we have them, we have them inside. We maybe don't recognize them. We don't realize it. We don't give ourselves enough credit. So I think as parents and even if you're home by yourself and you're, you're not having littles in your house or whatever, we have all the tools. We just don't necessarily know how to pull them out of ourselves sometimes. Would you agree with that? Yeah, man. I mean, I've assessed and treated over a thousand kids in this country and I've never, not one time met a bad kid. Not one single time, including yours and any of your listeners. I have not met a bad kid. And I, um, I've also not met a a parent who wasn't phenomenal or an educator that wasn't phenomenal or a police officer who, you know, wanted to serve his community. Not one time, not one time. And where we lose access to those things is um, when we get dysregulated, overwhelmed, and we have nowhere to put it. So when I think about, you know, I have to say this, if you own children, um, you should judge your parenting capacity on how you show up with other people's children. So when I watch you with some, with my kids, that's how I would dictate about, you know, what kind of a mom you are or what kind of a dad you are, because we're so much better with other people's children because <laughs> we're regulated. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, I often give this, say this story because I coach um, minor sport in our town. I'll coach minor sport to the end of my days because I love it, but it also becomes a really, I think, significant piece of any community because we are so much better with other people's children. And so when other people's kids come into my hockey dressing room, you know, they're like, coach, coach Joni. And I'm always like, what, sweetheart? Yes, my love. Come here. Can you tie on my skin? Yes, baby. Come here. Come here. Come here, mama, mama, mama. But I can't fill on my water bottle. I know, love. And then my own personal child, you know, who's maybe seven, will say to me, hey, mom. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you need to speak to me like that? What's your tone? 
And so we are so much more regulated when we have less skin in the game, right? And when we're so much more regulated, we have access to kindness, compassion, empathy, uh, all of those things that make us amazing people. And um, when I get more concerned about how I'm showing up or whether these kids are true reflections of me, then I'm much more jacked and I'm much harder on them. And I'm, you know, all of those things, which, which makes me lose all of this beautiful capacity that I have to be kind and, and empathic. So the deal is, how can we stay regulated? And we really only need to get it right 30% of the time. You can fuck this stuff up 70% of the time and still be fine. So most of the time we're doing much better than we give ourselves credit for. But I think the biggest issue, particularly now that we've been, had to, to physically distance ourselves from each other, is how do we stay connected so that we can keep each other in the game emotionally? Yeah. You know, how do we still do, uh, you know, our FaceTime calls and our Zoom calls until it's safe to be back in each other's physical presence? Because there's no replacement for face-to-face -face connection with another human being. We are wired for it, in fact. Infants will, will die, uh, you know, biologically. If we separate physically from infants, they die. And there are physiological changes that happened if you and I were in the same room that aren't going to happen over FaceTime. So there's a decrease in cortisol that happens at a higher rate when we're physically together. There's an increase in oxytocin and dopamine that does not happen to the same extent over a text or an email that it will when I'm face-to-face. -face. So it's really this idea of how are we still being in the physical presence of other human beings? How are we you know, still really regulating this idea? Because my biggest fear of this virus or at this time is not necessarily the virus itself, it is the fear that in, it's inducing and the disconnect that it's inducing. Because the more fearful we become, the more dysregulated we are, the more susceptible our immune systems become, the more susceptible we are to cortisol and the more irritable we are and the more likely we are gonna say and do things that we, that we regret. Yeah. So what do you suggest, like what are some of the things that, that keep people regulated? And I'm sure it's probably unique to each person, but is there, you know, some of those things that we could offer people as options to investigate? Yeah, like it's a universal process actually. It isn't it, it isn't unique to to people um, in the you know in the grand scheme of things because um, our bodies are all physiologically very much the same. And what happens is when our breathing slows down, uh, your body has to follow. So one of the biggest predictors of mental health is whether you feel safe in your own body. And oftentimes when you think about this, when you're anxious or overwhelmed, um, you, you don't feel physically safe in your own body, right? You feel like you're under threat, your breathing increases. You know, when you think about even if you've ever seen anybody or you've ever had a panic attack, <laughs> this is what happens and you feel like you've got to get out and you've got to move and you're antsy and you're irritable. The opposite of that is feeling safe in your own body. So creating that calmness and that safety. And, you know, you'll notice, Jody, even, you know, as we consume more media and we're concerned about getting the corona and there's all these ideas around how far we have to stand apart from each other, whether we go a certain direction in the grocery store, that increases cortisol just being in that environment. So if you, if you just even pay attention to where your shoulders are right now, in the run of a day, I notice so much that my shoulders are up around my ears. Yeah. You know, even as I wake up in the morning before I even get my feet on the floor, like I'm already like, oh, shit, okay, this, 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 right? Yeah. How do we just bring that down and put ourselves back into that state of, okay, okay, we're wired for this. This is a human experience in this moment. And we, Ram Dass said this, we are all just here walking each other home. So how do we do this? How do we serve in this place? And when you're in that place of being able to identify what other people are going through, that's where empathy, kindness, compassion lives. And that is the most contagious. That is far more contagious than Corona. Empathy, kindness, and compassion. And when I'm in that state of my physical body, I know without a doubt that I'm relaxed. Um, and that's, that's where you're going to stay the healthiest. That's where you're going to show up to be the best for your family and your kids and 
uh, you know, if you're leading a team or your community, whatever the deal is. And all we want is to be in that place more often than, you know, more often than not, ideally. Um, but if it's even that conscious effort to give ourselves that reprieve as often as we can. So setting a silent alarm, I don't even know if that makes sense. That's an oxymoron. An alarm on your phone. I meant like a vibrating alarm, not yeah. a silent alarm. <laughs> Uh, like, but you know, just even it goes off every hour and all it reminds you to do is drop your shoulders. Right. Yeah. Uh, where's the, the, you know, we hold a lot of shit in our jaw. Uh, we're often in, inclined as women to keep our, our bellies tight, right. Mm-hmm. Let it go. And in that moment, then I know that there is safety in that internal body that is really going to allow you to process some of the shit that's going to come at us, you know, especially in the next few weeks. I love that. We can breathe. I'm pretty sure we can do that. We can breathe. The deeper, the better, the slower, the better right now. And the other thing I wanted to chat about quick before I let you go is um, two things, actually. One is I've really enjoyed your not today Corona sort of movement that you have going with a lot of your, you know, viewers and fans and readers and that kind of thing. That's been going over really well. And I think, yeah, just taking a moment to scream that out if you need to, I think is a a fun thing to do also. Yeah. It it started in this crazy place because I had actually went to see a comedian just before like the lockdown occurred. His name is Joe Dombrowski and he's uh, he was an educator. He's on Ellen. He's like this funniest guy ever. He's a good friend of mine. And he, you know, started to, you know, his set just really talking about the Corona and if you roll the R's, right, then it doesn't become as scary. And so we, we started to say this everywhere we got like Corona, no Corona. And I, I was like, you know, I always say like, not today, Satan, like you're, you're not going to win today. And so we were like, not today, Corona, like, come at me, you bitch. We are not going to let you win today. Right. We are going to be socially distant, but we're going to be kind and we're going to be nice to our children. And we're not going to make any stupid decisions about the divorce in the middle of a Corona. You're not going to make this happen. So at the beginning of every, uh, end of every day now, when I jump onto the live, we're like, everybody's got to scream it out in their house and say, not today, Corona. (laughs) And then people who love them will think they're nuts, which is true. Um, but you also can't laugh and be emotionally dysregulated. So you are in a calm body when you're laughing. And so the purpose is kind of primary. You also can't roll your R's when you're emotionally dysregulated because you can only get basic sounds out when you're emotionally dysregulated. So when you're actually in this place of doing that today, Corona, I know you're physically uh, in a body and that you can make people laugh. So it's just sort of that place of like, how can we do it? And then we're getting such a good response. Like I had two um, EMTs post in the back of an ambulance today. They're like, not today, Corona. And they're like blowing up rubber, rubber gloves. So the middle finger rises. I just thought that was so cute. And like, people are putting messages on bales in the middle. I of that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and then people are sending me their little kids, like trying to roll their R's. Like, I just think it's fantastic. So yeah, I think it's, we're just creating this community as I know, Jody, you have too, just of people who are like-minded and supportive and inclusive. And it just really can be in the state of, you know, we're, we're stronger together. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fantastic. And I'm going to give a, a plug to your book for you in this also, uh, Kids These Days. And at first I thought, oh, well, it's, it's written for teachers. I don't know if I should read this, if I would relate to this, if I would, you know, just being a parent who doesn't have any of that training background, but I 100% recommend this book. I want every parent and every grandparent and every person to pick up your book and read it. I loved it so, so much because it just taught me so much about even knowing regulation and dysregulated and what did those terms even mean? Like, And 
proximity with your kids and so many things. It was, it was so great. So if you need reading during this crazy, unprecedented times, get Jody's book because it's so good. So thank you for oh, writing it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a joy. And she didn't even pay me to say that. So right? Legit. Now I will. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! I knew this podcast would bring me a fortune at some point. And no. then one last thing before we go, I'm having everyone in our COVID conversation share their hashtag Corona confession. Ooh. Time to get it off your chest. Just let it out there. What's your Corona confession? Well, I mean, we talked a little bit about this. I am, I am, I have a number of Corona confessions. Number one, um, I certainly am consuming chocolate and Bailey's on a daily basis, which has never happened in the history of the free world. Um, I have really, really, really understood that my calling in this world is not to parent full time, nor is it to be a cook at any point. I have burned significant on a daily basis. I burn. I made muffins that didn't come out of the pan. I burned cookies. I burned, like, it's just, it is giving me so many gifts of solidifying what I'm truly good at, which is talking to other people. <laughs> Writing. That's it. Nothing else. That's my confession. It's, I'm, I'm learning all the things that I knew to be true, which I'm not a huge fan of parenting or cooking. <laughs> well, there you go. Own what you own. What you own Stay in your lane. Stay yeah. in your lane. Well, thank you so much for taking time to, to connect with us. And if people want to learn more about what you're doing, following along some of that fun, where's the best place to do that? Yeah, our website is www.drjodycarrington.com. And um, we spend a lot of time on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. So come be part of our community. We would love to have you. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Thanks, Joan. Take good care. Be safe.